I should like to tell you that I have seen some of the experiments shown in this film actually carried out at the All-Russian Physiological Congress. As you can imagine, technique is everything. This is Liberty and Justice for All with Jack and Paul. On episode four of the podcast, we talk to Andrew Crime. Andrew's the managing director and executive producer at Econ Films in London. However, he's also spent the last 15 years working in television, primarily as an on-screen reporter for the BBC. He's also produced a number of documentaries for the BBC and Channel 4. And on today's episode of the podcast, we talk to him about communicating economics and the public perception of economists. So we have Andrew Cryan on the show this afternoon, and Andrew is from Econ Films. Thanks for being here, Andrew. Hi, Paul. Thanks very much for, for having me. So, Andrew, at Econ Films, who are the folks that you work with, and, and what kind of films do you usually produce? Yeah, sure. So Econ Films are, I think, the, the world's leading specialist film production company in the field of economics, which I always think I can say with confidence because, to my knowledge, we're the, the only firm in the world who, who do what we do. Um, so we, we make films about economics and economic research. We tend to work a lot with think tanks and universities and help take their work to a, to a wider audience because um, video is you know completely transforming the internet and the way people behave and it's a you know enormously growing space I think uh, it was in 2016 at least here in the UK where we have our, our head office that people started to consume more video online than on TV and you know there's just a, a fundamental shift in the way people consume information going on and uh, that's where that's where we are where the the guys you go to if you're an economist to to, to help get in that space so uh andrew and i uh for the listeners originally met at a, a conference um in uh, uh belfast ireland this last january and one of the topics of that conference was the future of economics and and one of the things that, that kept coming up was the, the difficulty that economists have mm-hmm. in yeah. com- communicating their ideas to the broader public and to policymakers. And uh, Andrew and I have been talking on and off since then because this is a you know this is an issue that that I I think a lot about um, being in the uh, the policymaking space, um, both working in the government and then now working in a think tank outside the government. I spend a lot of time. Uh, uh, thinking about ways um, uh, to convey what, what is often, uh, you know, difficult uh, mm. uh, te- technical economic research uh, to policymakers who who you know often don't have e- economics training, and then also mm. the wa- the wider public get them to think about these economic concepts uh, in yeah. meaningful ways. Um, what are some uh, strategies that, that that you use, or or ways that, that that you have thought about to communicate economics to uh, to these populations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I might start with with policymakers uh, first, uh, Paul, and um, I think tips from from you know a, a former head of state or these guys 
are incredibly busy. You know, you'll you know this from your time in um, in an executive position uh, in government, Paul. But the, it, it's a real pressure cooker. There is not the time to to read a lengthy report. You have enormous numbers of demands, and they're coming at you all the time, and they really matter. So you need to to break through to these people pretty pretty quickly. Uh, two tips from a, a former head of state is firstly, these guys love a simple number. If you can come up with a figure which just tells a story instantly and grabs their attention, then you're made. So one example, is, this is my example, is you know, Oxfam are really good at this. They, they, they come up with all these statistics about how you know, uh, a handful of guys uh, own uh, as much as 50% of the world's population or, or whatever it is. And it instantly tells you a broader story. It's more, it, it kind of tells you more than simply that, that one number. And so it's the, the detail and the, the reasoning and the maths that led them to that decision, they're not going to get into it. But it's that one catchy number that makes them think, oh, my gosh, that's something to, to really focus on. The other one is these guys can get completely obsessed by by indices. So if you've got a list of the you know the, the best place in the world to do business, or the the, the most educated populations, or uh, the the most profitable sovereign wealth fund, or whatever it may be that puts the person at the desk in a in a global context, that is something they instantly relate to and they instantly care about. Because if you're running a, a, a metro system, say in London, and you see that New York and Moscow are you know right at the top of the chart and you're down at 30, say, then that's got your attention and you're deeply, deeply worried about it. Um, you know, I, I, I just came back from Sierra Leone and I was talking to a, a senior policymaker there who was telling me at length about how they ranked in certain World Bank indices and how you know, important it was for them to, to, to climb up those numbers. And so I think, you know, more broadly, I think those are two two things to think about if you're, you know, compiling information, presenting information that you, you want to affect policymakers. I think that that matters. I think, you know, you need to be aware of political realities as well, you know, and give policymakers things that they, they will find useful. You need to find a way, I think, to present things in a way that seem harmonious with their, with their agenda and, also give them an opportunity to look good. You know, if you've, if you've performed a, a study uh, which proves that a certain intervention is really good and really cheap, uh, <laughs> then you've got their attention. Um, now, unfortunately, the reality is that lots of things in the world are, are deeply complicated and there aren't simple answers. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't always lend itself to, to, to snappy, grabby findings in that way. Um, but as much as you're, you're able to take your material into a, into a place which, which, which helps policymakers and is just realistic about how, how busy they are and how little time they actually have to give your research, I think you can, uh, you know, you're more likely to find success. Does, does that sound right to you? Because, you know, you were, you were in the White House, Paul. Does that seem, seem fair? Definitely, yeah. I, 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 so in, in policymaking, 
uh, in policymaking and practice, there's definitely an emphasis on uh, macroeconomic factors over microeconomics. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, folk, folks want to know about those aggregates uh, and what's driving the aggregates, unemployment, inflation, uh, growth, um, consumer confidence. Uh, mm. And you're exactly right. I mean, the, the policymakers themselves uh, usually have very little time and are, are, are usually uh, not. Um, it's not that they're not sophisticated at all, but that they just spend a lot of time thinking about a lot of different things mm. and it's, it's critical to, to get them that information in an easily digestible way. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also in a way in which they can understand almost intuitively. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, where there's a, where there's a, a logical flow, you know, mm. if you, so if you're, if you're trying to communicate, you know, why the, you know, uh, GDP numbers are, are what they are in any given quarter, um, you know, having some sort of, uh, you know, deterministic explanation, mm. uh, uh, helps. Uh, I think that also can, uh, you know, result in a little bit of implied hubris, uh, in the field, right. Where economists yeah. get, get, get to become a little bit too, um, uh, uh you know, Confident almost uh, mm. in, in, in in their assessments, um, uh, but uh, but yes, I, I I think that the the, the moral of the story is that that you're you're exactly right. Uh, you, the other uh, factor that influences uh, 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 policymakers and in particular politicians mm. uh, is uh, is is um, uh, the public and how the public yeah. views matter. And yeah. so, you know, one of the things that I do in the think tank world being sort of, you know, one step removed from the immediate policymaking process is thinking about how I can influence uh, the public perceptions on issues. Right. Mm. Um, with, with the hopes that ultimately, uh, you know, that translates into into policy change where the politicians are listening to, you know, the the voter base or uh, the general conversations that are going around in the public sphere. And so I spend a lot of time, you know, not just talking to, you know, the, 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 the people with their with their hands close to the, you know, the possible levers, you know, but also the people who are who are voting for those people. Mm. Um, how, how do you see uh, differences in the style of communicating between the public and then uh, policymakers themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's um, it's an interesting question. I, I, I do think there's a, a link as well because I think if you're you're talking to policymakers, you need to give them a way to sell this to the population as well. You know, you need to help give them a story as to why you know an intervention or a policy is a good idea because they need to be able to sell it. They need to be able to justify it. They need to be able to you know, get elected again is the, is the reality. And it doesn't always lead to the, the best policy decisions, but that's in a, a democracy, the environment that, that you work in. Um, it, is, it is different with the public, I think, because policymakers, I think you can assume a certain capability to, to, to understand things. And if you're talking about some of the things you were saying just then, GDP numbers and, and, and so on, I think the reality is that a lot of the public are a little bit confused about what GDP actually is um, or the relevance of currency fluctuations or 
or, or whatever it is. And I think what fundamentally connects with people are, are a few things. I think the first thing is you need to connect with them. And the way people do that is through through stories and it's through through narrative and it's through just simple ideas which people can hear and connect with and, and it chimes with. So, I mean, one example is trade wars, trade policy. Uh, it's, it's come out of nowhere, really, uh, in the last, um, you know, three years. And I, I would put an awful lot of it down to Donald Trump being able to stand on the podium and say, we're getting ripped off. And he says we're getting ripped off. People think ripped off. That, 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 that's, that's terrible. Well, something's got to change. Something's got to give. Now, you could have so much detail about the intricacies of, of, of trade policy and different agreements and, and, and so on and so on. But it's the ability to, to, to summarize it into something that simple, which people automatically understand. Uh, another example from the president, which uh, I would think of, is that you know uh, public infrastructure funding is not uh, necessarily an interesting topic. It's not something that people engage with particularly until uh, the president says we're going to build a wall and make them pay, and then suddenly people lack. They, they they get it. These guys are going to pay. It's their you know it's their it's their problem. They should pay. It's, it's simple. Uh, UK examples I can think of, uh, you know, the last um, Conservative government, they, there was fiscal tightening in the UK, which they made a matter of Labour government, the previous Labour government, didn't fix the roof when the sun was shining, or they maxed out the UK's credit card. And by just relating it to these simple, simple phrases, which managed to tell quite a big story these guys are able to, to really shape public perceptions and public ideas about economics and really form the basis of what becomes the public discourse about economics. Because when people then talk about, at least macro, in, you know, in the shop, at the bus stop, uh, where, 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 wherever it is, they repeat these phrases. And it's, it, it, it's, um, it, it sets the tone. And I think what people need to think about is the is the story and the and the narrative and the the connection that they're they're making with the with the public. Um, I think the other thing which is 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 really important if you're just a, a normal economist, if we take it you know away from government and just a, a life of a, a researcher and how you might get things through to people, it's to make things relevant to, to people's lives. So the life that they live and how it will change because of these the, 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 these various factors. Um, so one of the things we do is, is media training. I was doing media training at a, a British think tank earlier in the year, and I remember one of the issues that, that came up was, you know, a hypothetical situation where a researcher's been booked on a, a radio interview to talk about currency fluctuations, and how do you give your analysis in a way that the, the audience latches onto? And a key thing is just to make it about things which the listener has in their ordinary life. So make it about the fact that their, uh, their, their summer holiday is going to become more expensive. And then suddenly they, they have 
you know, a purchase on on this broader issue. And so I think you've got to, yeah, you've got to remember the public. You've got to think about your audience. You've got to think about what what matters to them um, when you when you're talking to the public, because otherwise things can get quite. Um, I don't know, quite quite confusing for people quite quickly um, because they don't have a you know an economics education. They don't necessarily know how all parts fit together. You, you, you're you're a couple of pieces of the jigsaw to put together, and they can understand you know a small part of the jigsaw at a time. But they're not you know they don't have five hundred pieces if that if that makes sense. Yeah, that's I I. Um... I just finished a book uh, on the uh, budget process uh, in the U.S. going all the way back to colonial America and uh, looking at the history of it and then and then also talking a little bit about the future of what I think the budget process uh, will reflect or, or what it should become. And, and one of the things that I talk about in there is that when there have been uh, major budgetary changes, uh, they, they've they, they've usually been driven by some sort of uh, symbolic push by a by a national leader, or mm. uh, in response to some sort of threat. So, mm. with, whether or not it's a recession or a war, um, or again some sort of uh, larger symbolism. So, so for instance, uh, Andrew Jackson, uh, who was a president in the 1830s. Uh, ran on eliminating uh, the national debt, and he he achieved that, which was mostly driven uh, by selling off uh, federal lands uh, and and uh, the revenue that was generated through that process. But but Jackson's larger uh, symbolic narrative was, you know, that that this isn't about a a um, you know, doing something that would be good or even bad for the economy. It had, it, it, there was, it was, the economy was almost irrelevant rather mm. eliminating the debt of independence, right? It was a, it was, it was proof positive that the, uh, that, that America could exist as an independent nation, uh, separate mm. from, uh, Europe. Uh, Re- Reagan, uh, built a, uh, not the same narrative, but also built a large symbolic narrative in the 1980s um, around uh, uh, shrinking the size and scope of government. And so, again, it wasn't a there, there, there was there was economics behind it. Uh, you know, Reagan had su- supply side economists in the White House. He had monetarists in the White House. Um, those camps didn't always agree with one another, and, and it showed in a lot of the re- reports that the administration put out and the Council of Economic Advisors put out. Um, but what what tied them all together uh, was uh, Reagan's larger uh, uh, sim- uh, symbolic narrative about, you know, again, sort of you know, re- reducing the scope of government. So, mm. uh, you know, it, that, that, that included tax cuts and, and, and lower regulation and lower spending. And as long as you, you were moving in, in direction of lower in any, in any one of those, uh, in any one of those buckets, well, it, you know, it, it was, it was a good thing, right? Yeah. And so it had, it had less to do with economics. And even though the budget deficit has a, uh, has an effect, um, uh, on the economy, um, and, and more to do with sort of this larger symbolism. So, uh, mm. in, in, in your experience in talking to folks, um, ha- have you found, 
that there are any top performers? Have you have you found that there are any economists who are particularly good at communicating their ideas? And um, and 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 if so, uh, what what kind of strategies do you see them using? Yeah, that's a, a, a really good question. So um, just to give the, the, the listeners a, a sense of what we do, um, we, we, you know, we spend our life um, interviewing economists for, for video. I, I, I keep a spreadsheet uh, in the office and I think we've uh, I think we're on something like 350, 400 films for 2019 already, and it, it, it's early August. So we, we 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 do this a lot, and we we speak to people all the way from you know early career researchers all the way up to to, to Nobel Prize winners. Uh, and I think one of the things which which always strikes me is that it's very rare that a, a top top economist isn't also a very good communicator. Pretty much every Nobel Prize winner is capable of explaining their ideas in a pretty simple and compelling way. You could introduce them to your mother and you, you know, your mother might be a, a, a top economist, uh, Paul, my, 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 mine isn't. Uh, um, but yeah, mine, mine is neither, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they would, they would be able to explain their ideas perfectly well and I think it's sometimes with, I don't know, um, other times we'll speak to researchers who, who just struggle so much to s- speak about their work. It's, um, you know, it, 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 it's quite striking. They, you know, in, it, some people really struggle just to explain their ideas outside, you know, really extremely technical or jargony language however you, you you'd want to phrase it and it is something that really interests me as, as to why it is all the you know the top men and women are almost universally such good communicators at the same time and I think um, you know I, I've got all sorts of, of theories about it I, I guess one is that you know the Nobel Prize winners they've got these incredible minds and they've got such grasp of the material that they actually see everything in in simple terms they've got 2020 vision and so they don't get caught in the noise they just know exactly what it is that they want to say and what's relevant in a in a, in a given situation uh, i mean an- another theory i had is that you know if you're a, a nobel prize winner um actually pretty much all your conversations about economics uh you're talking down to people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it's just you know whether you're an economics professor or or, or Andrew's mum, you know, it's just a matter of how much you have to simplify your your ideas. Um, but 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 also, I, th- I think realistically as well, I think that communication is so important to these people's success. I'm not sure if you really struggle to, to, to string a sentence together, if you struggle to make your ideas sound compelling and relevant and challenging and important, that you'll actually convince your peers, that you'll convince your you know, faculty or funding bodies or journals or policymakers or whoever it is that what you have done matters. If you can't actually communicate it, if you can't sell it yourself, if you can't find that narrative and that story, then 
it, it becomes incredibly difficult because the reality is, you know, people, the number of people who will read your paper is is small. You know, and reputation goes by, you know, by, by word of mouth and it goes by uh, citations and and, and and so on and so on. And if you, if you were to, to think of it in terms of you, two identical econometricians who had, you know, exactly the same data that have been cleaned up in the same way and they've been, you know, all the same uh, equations and all the rest of it. But one was a fantastic communicator and the the other just just couldn't do it. I I I, I can't really see how the, the 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 man or woman who was able to take that data set and those calculations and turn it into a compelling, exciting uh, story that was relevant to the profession, that was relevant to research, um, wouldn't do a, a hell of a lot better in their career than the, the person who couldn't do it, even though the, you know, the raw economics and the maths were exactly the same. So I think to, you know, to climb the ladder and to succeed as an economist, I think you, 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 you really need to, to communicate as well, I think. Yeah, uh, you know Milton Friedman. I mean, he famously engaged at oh. cocktail parties and college campuses, and really, really anywhere anyone would listen to him, uh, which which was yeah. a lot of places. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 and, uh, yeah. And and you know, for for years, he had a syndicated. Co- Gary Becker had a column for years. Um, Paul Samuelson for for uh, you know for for a long long time uh, had a column. Uh, Paul Krugman. Uh, today uh, has a column, and yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. it, 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 in fact, uh, uh, I, w- I would encourage the listeners to 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 go to your website uh, at Econ Films and watch uh, pu- pu- uh, the uh, video that that you've produced with Paul Krugman on communicating economics, and uh, he, he actually had a really, I think, uh, astute observation, which was that oftentimes economists argue from you know this place of authority. Um, yes. When, when in reality, most people don't care about authority, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Especially yeah. authority yeah. that's no, irrelevant absolutely. to them. No, that's absolutely right. Um, you know? And and so you've 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 got you've got you constantly have got to come back to you know to to the argument, right? You you yeah. you've you've constantly got to you know you know beat beat this drum. And I mean that that's one of the things that that that, that I've gotten used to or or, or learned. I don't I don't know. How to put it um, in in you know being in the positions that I'm in. I mean I'm 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 constantly uh, you know uh, talking about and 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 finding new ways to try to talk about you know the same same issues that are that are that are important to me and, and communicating my research and, and the research of others that, that that I think is also important to get out there um, because this is you know it, it's uh, it, it's not like you know you you write a paper. And the whole world reads it, and you know, and, and now that truth is out there, and, and you can you know move on to the next thing. You've you, you've constantly got to engage, and also yeah. know that you're, you're gonna you, you you might lose you might lose that engagement. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You yeah. don't win every time. You don't win every time, and you might win to an idiot or a, a charlatan, um, or you might yeah. lose to them. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think as well. Another recommendation for 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 people listening is my my favourite all time short film about economics is Milton Friedman. Uh, he has this explanation of uh, how um, of the pencil. I don't know whether you've seen this, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I pencil. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. It's the most compelling justification for the free market I think I've uh, I've ever seen. Um, and for people who haven't seen it, he, he has a pencil in his hand and he explains how the only way that this pencil could ever be made is through what he calls the miracle of uh, market capitalism or, or, or something along those lines and how it was made by hundreds of people who had never met all collaborating uh, in different parts of the world who have come together because of the price mechanism. So it will have rubber from India and wood from Siberia and lead that came from a, a mine on another continent. And the only reason these people were able to collaborate free market and the the pencil is the embodiment of the the the, the, the miracle as he sees it. And I, I think it again. It just takes it back to something that the viewer can understand because everybody's held a, a pencil, um, and you you see it in a, a completely different light uh, as a result of of watching the film. I think it's just yeah, it's uh, it, it, it it's pretty much perfect. I think as a, a film, it's just one one take as well uh, where he's looking straight into the camera lens. It's so simple as a piece of filmmaking and just so. Uh, so fantastically effective. You know, one, one of the first, um, I, I struggle to call him modern. He wasn't really, he's not modern at all. Um, but one of the, 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 the first really excellent economics communicators is of course, Adam Smith and, yes. uh, and, 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 and his writing in both the theory of moral sediments and also in the wealth of nations. And, mm -hmm. and for folks who, who, who haven't read those, uh, the, the two sort of main, main books by Smith, I encourage you to do so and start, start with TMS, start with theory of moral sediments and then, and then move on to, to wealth of nations. But, um, but, but, but Smith in both of those books, uh, just, just puts puts examples upon examples, right? So he, mm. he, estab he establishes what we would think of today as essentially economic principles or, or, or conditions from what she's working with. And, and, and then he, 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 he gives you so many examples that, that you're almost sick of the examples by the time that, <laughs> you know, you, he, he's, he's finished and he's, 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 <laughs> he's drawing on history, um, uh, you know, but he's also drawing on, you know, the, 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 the real world in which he, real world in which he resides and, 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 and logic that he knows his readers are going to, going, going to be dealing with themselves as a, as a matter of fact, uh, Hume, uh, David Hume, who is, who is one of Smith's friends, uh, pointed out to folks, um, about how, uh, astute uh, Smith was in uh, in developing the way that he conveyed some of these principles. Um, mm. You know, so you know, so he was he really was playing to a certain part of the English population um, mm. in 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 the in the in the time that he in the time that he lived, and you know, so he 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 didn't go too far on certain matters, like he didn't go too far on religion, knowing that that would turn people off. Um, mm. And at the same time, he didn't he didn't go too far, uh, you know, in 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 pushing on. Um, uh, you know, pushing against the state because again, mm. he, he, he knew, he knew that that would turn people off too. Uh, mm. at the same, at the same time, he was quite radical. 
so, uh, you know, I, 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 I still find Smith extremely relevant today. Uh, you know, especially, especially Ethereum. And it's interesting to me, uh, you know, honestly, how, how many, uh, you know, economists are going back to Smith, um, Mm. the, the, the other Smith, the modern, the actual modern, uh, Smith, Vernon Smith, the Nobel, the Nobel prize laureate, um, and, and famous experimental economist, uh, has, um, uh, recently has written a number of papers about the insights that he has, uh, you know, uh, taken from Adam Smith and, 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 and applied, um, himself, uh, in ways that ultimately won him the Nobel prize. Um, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'll be just thinking, uh, listening to you, you talk there, I think, uh, Another example is Marx. You know, if Marx had only written Das Kapital and he hadn't had Engels to write the the Communist Manifesto, uh, history would have ended up very different. Yes. Yeah. No, Marx. uh, Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. I mean, uh, Marx is a is is another, uh, you know, keen observer of the period in which he uh, which he lived and and again was uh, writing for a specific population in a way that that that, you know, to this day uh, is you know, extremely influential. Um, you know, I, 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 it would be interesting to me. I, 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 I don't know. I'm sure someone has done a survey on this, but it would be interesting to know whether or not folks are more or less likely. I'm sure that for folks are more, uh, the, the general population is, is, has more likely to know who Marx is relative to say John Maynard Keynes. Um, yes. so, you know, I mean, he, he is, he, he is a um, almost a caricature at this point. Um, yeah. But it would be it would it, I, I would I would be interested to know if the name recognition of Adam Smith is is uh, more or less than uh, Keynes, who, um, you know, arguably, uh, you know, along with Milton Friedman and Paul Samuelson and, and a few others, is, has been one of the more uh, you know most influential economists of the 20th century. Mm. Mm, for sure. For you sure. Know? Well, it's, it's it's interesting to think as well. Who are the economists that people could name? Um, I think Marx has got to be right up there. Um, but I think if uh, you know survey evidence of who the public can name as an economist, they come up with with strange examples. I know, I know certainly in the UK, uh, the person who most people name is a a guy called Martin Lewis, who is famous as the money-saving expert. So this guy, uh, you know, he, 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 he's, he's great, uh, but he essentially offers consumer advice to, to the general population and writes, uh, writes books about it. And um, if there's uh, something like, uh, I don't know, a scandal about banks having missold uh, insurance claims, he uh, appears on the TV and tells people how they can claim their, their PPI insurance back and, uh, and all of this stuff. Now, Martin Lewis provides a really useful public service, and he's a, a great communicator. I don't know if he's ever studied economics, um, and I don't think many people working in economics would consider him an economist, but that's the person who most people will name when they're asked to name an economist, and then they really start to struggle. They can quite often name the the, the chair of the Bank of England, and it 
it really, really falls off a cliff very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suspected that in the U.S., Alan, Alan Greenspan, who was the chairman of the yeah. Federal Reserve, uh, I mean, he is a he's a household name. And uh, and, and and at one point, you know, I think that Milton Friedman um, w- was also as close to a household name as as uh, as as a famous public intellectual can 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 get. Um, my parents are not economists either, and I, I know that they at least know who you know knew who Milton Friedman was, and yeah. uh, and and you know uh, knew freedom to choose, and and um, uh, and 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 in the UK at one point, and in the US, uh, you know Hayek was also I think close yeah. to a household Absolutely. name. I mean the road. The, the Road to Serfdom was, uh, you know, converted into a Reader's Digest um, edition, and yeah. Uh, yeah. was was highly influential, influential here and 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 in the and and in England. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Hayek and Friedman in the Thatcher years were, you know, pretty pretty commonly spoken of because of their their importance to you know the ideology of the government and i think i think keynes as well because he was so uh so influential in the you know uh, in the post-war period and he was um you know represented britain uh, diplomatically and, and and so on so i think you know in his day he would have been a, a household name as well i'm not I'm not sure there's anybody today. I wonder. I wonder in France uh, whether Thomas Piketty uh, might mm-hmm. might be getting there. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it's possible. I'm I I'm I, I'm not sure. I mean, it, but but even Thomas Piketty. I mean, rel- relative to the the influence that 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 Keynes had on um, mm. on uh, history on history. On history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. You know the the, the um, I mean K- Keynes uh, had a significant amount of influence on um, on economic policy in the United States uh, from the 30s, uh, uh, really uh, even until today, but in a large way through through the 70s. Uh, mm. You know, and, and you know the the you know one of the the, the you know the, the full employment budgets of the you know 1960s and and 1970s the per, the pursuit of low unemployment and stable prices um, and the 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 thing that I that I come back to though is, is that I I still don't know whether or not the uh, the you know the the, the median voter uh, read you know Keynes's general theory or 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 anything else that he wrote rather it was a you know influencing uh intellectuals in the United States and in particular public intellectuals in the United States who then took his ideas and and executed on them yeah. uh whereas in uh in you know with 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 Friedman and with uh and with Samuelson in, in particular, I mean there was there was an obvious appeal to to the public. I mean there was a as I as I mentioned earlier, you know, they each each had a column, uh, you know, Friedman's column I believe was in Newsweek and that that, mm-hmm. that you know touched uh, you know millions of people um, uh, you know each each month. 
And, you know, you, you just, you, you, you know, you, there, there are some pockets uh, within the economics profession where I think that that still exists. Um, you know, you, you have uh, uh, Freakonomics, um, yeah. the, the, the guys out at the University of Chicago. And, you know, again, I mean, Thomas Piketty and a couple of other pockets, but, uh, but it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's usually very narrowly focused. And, um, and, and within, within regards to the, the Freakonomics crew, it's, it's usually re- and within regards to, you know, you know, using, uh, interesting economic concepts and interesting statistical techniques to, uh, branch out beyond, you know, the economy, you know, to look at yeah. crime or, or, or other things. Um, but, but, but Milton and Samuelson, I mean, they, you know, they, they, they were, you know, de- you know, talking about sort of these, you know, core economic concepts. And, uh, and again, you sort of just don't, you don't, you don't see that today. You know, one of the other topics that, that came up at, um, at the, at the conference that we were both at in January and, and, uh, Wendy Carlin at, at uh, UCL, uh, actually was talking a little bit about her research in the, within this regard. And that is, um, at her level, uh, what, uh, undergrads who are first encountering economics think of when, you know, when, when they're economics, right. And, uh, she, she's found that, you know, many of them, uh, come back to, to almost, you know, uh, household finance, right. You know, yes. so why, why do you study economics? Well, I, I study economics so I can go learn how to be rich as if that's what economics is, or that's what economists yeah. are doing. And, you know, you, you mentioned some survey data earlier on and, 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 uh, you know, for the listeners, we've, we, we've been talking off, uh, off, off air, uh, about this, uh, uh, survey is, is it a new survey? Uh, um, uh, uh, by, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll let you, um, introduce it. So, um, it's sure. by, yeah, it's, it's it's a uh, it's the uh, ING Economics uh, Network Survey uh, of the Public Understanding of Economics, and uh, we can put up a link to that on on, on the website. But um, it uh, it has a, a lot of really interesting information in yeah. there about how um, the public thinks about economics, uh, what the public thinks yeah, economists do, and in particular, you know, uh, one bit of information really stood out to me. And that is, is that, you know, in the 20 percent of uh, the folks who they surveyed think that the, you know, the, the, the job of economists is to set interest rates, which really <laughs> bothers me at a very deep level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, the, the, um, a, a, another 20 percent of folks um, uh, uh, think about economists as. A, uh, as those who help people earn money or, um, or earn money themselves. Well, I would hope that economists earn money. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but again, I'm, I'm, I mean, it, it comes to this, you know, uh, you know, what, what is, what is the purpose of economics? And one of the things that I talked about at that conference was, you know, that, 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 you know, as a profession, one of the things that we should be talking to the public about and, and talking to students about in, in university settings or in, high, in, in, uh, in lower school settings is uh, that, that economics, you know, m- you know, more than anything is a, is, a, is a way of approaching problems. It's a way of yeah. thinking, thinking through, thinking through things. Uh, 
you know, there are there there is a a, a rigorous statistical side to economics as well, um, or at least uh, uh, some of the field. Um, and then there are also really important concepts within economics, like opportunity costs, that. Mm. Um, you know, that uh, I actually spend a tremendous amount of time, you know, talking to policymakers about because, you know, you, you know, when 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 politicians often see a problem, right, their 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 immediate response to that problem is um, I want to fix it, you know, and you, you, you often have to explain to them, you know, well, we, we, we can think about ways to fix it, but we also have to think about all of the other things that that you could be doing or that we could be doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. All the problems besides, you'll you know, create just, when you fix it, you know, exactly. Yeah. All the problems are, well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's opportunity costs, there's government failure, there's market failure. And, it, and it's these concepts that I think give people a, you know, or can, can be helpful uh, to, to, to most anybody in, 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 in approaching, you know, the, the, the real world. And I'm, I'm not sure that, that, that economists or academic economists uh, do all that they can to, um, uh, to, to instill some of those, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, theories in, 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 the, in the right populations. Mm. Mm. Well, I, th- I, th- I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, and, you know, I've, I've got the table in front of me. And what's, what's overwhelming is if you ask the public – what do you think economists do? Forecast economic conditions is the most popular answer, uh, it, more than twice as popular as the next, which is advise governments on certain industries. And, it, you know, so, so, so you've got 65% of people thinking it's about making economics forecasts. Um, you know, so, it's it's not it's not how it works and and then you you, you go down and down through uh, different things about providing financial advice to individuals or advising local councils on the economy which is pretty <laughs> pretty niche part of economics yeah. uh, and then finally you get to try to understand how the majority of people live yeah. <laughs> which uh, which a clear 80% of people thought had nothing to do with economics. <laughs> now, I, I think, it, you know, it, it, a lot of what we've been talking about, I think, comes back to, to what's actually slightly higher up in this survey, which is the level of economics education that people have had. And it's not compulsory on the, the curriculum at any level or in any form. Uh, and the overwhelming majority of people have had uh, no economics education at all, uh, whether that's at school, in higher education, or even you know self-motivated study, or through reading books of their own volition, and and, and so on and so on. Um, and I think that is very striking because the public haven't been taught economics and they haven't looked into economics of their own volition it means that things do get reduced to to, to very simple narratives and they're, they're they're not able to understand the 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 full picture and the full jigsaw uh, and they don't understand what what economists do but I, I think what's also interesting is that uh, a clear majority of people think it should be taught in schools um, so I th- uh, we've got three quarters of people saying uh, it should be 
taught in schools, whether that's embedded into uh, specific economics courses or, you know, in the general curriculum, fine. But there is a, a clear public desire for economics education, and that's just not not happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it, it is interesting to see that, that most folks think that forecasting is such a, a significant part of the profession, um, or at least the study of economics. Uh, when I, you know, when I, I when I left graduate school and uh, and took a policy job in D.C. and the shop that I first worked in had a uh, had a, a macro modeling, essentially forecasting team. You know, my, my my initial thought in encountering them was: Is that people still do this? I didn't I didn't realize that people still did this. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, but yeah. not not only yeah. do people still do this, but it is it it you know it it, it the 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 macroeconomic forecasting, um, mm. regardless of how valid it is, um, mm. is uh, is still a a, a a significant part of uh, policymaking. You know, I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, there. You know, if you, politicians love to talk about how whatever they're doing is going to create jobs, or create yeah. economic growth, or yeah. you know, whatever. You know, re- 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 regardless of how you know so- so sophisticated or or not, um, the, the the techniques uh, that were employed to you know, to come up with those estimates, you know, may or may, or may not being. Um, yeah, that 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 really struck me um, quite a, quite a bit as well. I mean, as a, a matter of fact, I mean, just speaking from personal experience, you know, I um, I, I entered uh, undergrad, um, entered college as a as a physics major, and oh, right. uh, and, and 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 sort of stumbled into economics and mm-hmm. uh, you know we, we, I, I I had the benefit of 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 going to a college where, where I had a lot of very dynamic professors in, 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 in the economics department and a couple of Nobel prize winners. And, and, mm. uh, and they convinced me to stay around and, and, you know, and make something out of it. Um, you know, so I, so I went from a, you know, a hard science to a social science. I don't, yeah, but, <laughs> um, mm. but, 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 but really, you know, um, I, I think that a good economics instructor um, and a good economics communicator can, uh, you know, mm. can, can do what you what you said. Most people don't think that e- economists do, which is talk about how, you know, the um, the, the, the 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 theory and the way of the way of thinking, the economic way of thinking can help think about the real ways in which people live Um and, you know, and, and, and we're, we're seeing a lot of really interesting research, you know, done in, done in, in, in that space uh, currently. And then also a lot of uh, really interesting inter- interdisciplinary research. You know, economists yeah. are, start, are starting to expand, um, you know, in, in, into other fields. They're, they're, they're reading uh, the literature of other fields. I mean, I, I spent in, in, in writing my book on, you know, the, the history of the budget process and, and public finance. I spent a lot of time looking at not just, uh, you know, e- economics literature, but but also, you know, the uh, literature in, in history. Um, and I know that a lot of historians will love that I'm dabbling in history. Um, there's a, a sort yeah. of a, 
a love-hate relationship between e- economic historians well, and historians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and also in, 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 in political science, I, you yeah. know, there, there's, there's a lot of good work that's done in all of these places that economists can learn from. And there's good work being done now in economics that, 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 uh, that, um, that, uh, that, econ- that, that, that those other, uh, um, professions can learn from too, especially in the economics of crime. There's been a lot of work done in the last 10 mm. years on the economics of crime that I think is, is really quite, really quite interesting. Uh, another area that economists have gotten into in the last few years that is a, a, a serious um, public policy problem in, 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 in the U.S. Uh, that I hope to see more work done on is it, it was within regards to mental health and, oh. uh, and, in, and in particular, the, you know, the, the, the deaths of despair trends that uh, that. Um, that the case in deep have highlighted in, in, in their seminal work in this area. Again, we're seeing more, more work here. Um, but you know, again, so this is an area that economists have, haven't touched for a long time that they're now getting into and, uh, and, and exploring these connections between, uh, you know, not just the economy, but, but institutions, um, within society that, that economists care about that are having, uh, you know, major, major major impacts mm. 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 and I, i'm sure you mentioned it but you know well-being and behavioral economics uh you know it's so um it's so important i i, I was uh, at the aea this year talking to robert schiller uh people can, can watch the video it's online about um about uh about jobs about labor and how Economics doesn't have a, a proper way of accounting for the the self worth of work, and actually we're very good at looking at work in terms of salary and so forth. But that's actually only a small part of what motivates work and what motivates the labour force. So much of it is about how how people feel um, feel about themselves and feel. Uh, the stories they're able to tell themselves because of their work and what they do and how, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not been in economics. It's not been in the, the literature when you take a, you know, strictly mathematical and price driven approach. That's right. I mean, well, you know, p- part of, part of that's driven by the, um, the, the lack of data, right? I mean, eco- economists yeah. are, are going to where the data is and there's, there's pretty yeah. good data on 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 wages and salaries. There's there's pr- yeah. there's pretty good data on whether or not someone's employed or not employed. Um, but 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 we there hasn't been a whole lot said, at least for a long period of time, on you know whether or not there are actual quality differences in the type of work. You know, not all jobs are created equal. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean the the you know. W- whether or not that's across time or 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 space, I mean, the, the one of the things that I that I like to talk about in future of work conversations is, you know, that if I tried to explain to you know my great grandfather or great or great great grandfather who were both farmers in Virginia what I do for a living, they would not mm. consider this work and probably wouldn't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. 
I sit in an yeah. air conditioned, you know, office and, 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 and think about economic policy all day. And, and that, that, that in, in, in one capacity is indicative of the, you know, massive amount of economic growth. And as Ginger McClowski would say, the great enrichment that we've experienced over the last 150 years, um, yeah. You know, but, but it's um, not the, the Jeffersonian ideal of your grandparents, you know, no, <laughs> on the farm in Virginia. No, I, I'm I am no longer a yeoman farmer, nor do I want to be a yeoman <laughs> farmer. <laughs> well, exactly, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, you're, well, you're 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 forecasting economic conditions, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. I mean, so, just one final uh, comment on, on, on that, Paul, which I, I was really yeah. keen to, to say, because I, I think there's a disconnect between the, 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 the public and the profession in terms of forecasts, because people who work in economics, uh, they, they know it's just a forecast, and that comes with all the caveats. Yet by the time it filters through to the general public, it's become, you know, this institution says, you know, the economy will grow by 3.4%, but it doesn't have the caveats or the, you know, all the assumed knowledge that, 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 that comes with it. And the public hear that and they think that's not true. <laughs> you know, why are you saying yeah. that? That's, it's obviously not going to be 3.4%. You're, you're guessing. Um, and the economists know they're guessing, and the public know that they're they're they're, they're guessing. It's a best guess. It's an educated guess. But there's a there's a disconnect there because the public then distrusts fish. The basis of the fact they are they constantly see these these forecasts which which turn out not to be not to be true. And in fact, there's so many forecasts and so many are contradictory. Uh, they, they 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 couldn't all be right. Um, and there's a a really famous quote, at least here in the the UK, from uh, Michael Gove, uh, who is a, a politician with with Boris Johnson. He was the the other figurehead of the the Leave campaign in the Brexit vote. He's now the the Deputy Prime Minister. And there was a a really famous television interview where it was put to him that the overwhelming weight of economic evidence was that Brexit would be bad for the economy. And they rattled out, I, can't, I don't know, the, the, the IFS and the OECD and, and, and who, who knows what else. And what Gove said is, I think the people in this country have had enough of experts uh, with organisations, uh, from organisations with acronyms, saying that they know what is best and getting it constantly wrong. And it's become a sort of totemic quote, and it summarises as, as, as we've had enough of experts, and it's uh, it, it's sort of quoted and used as evidence of the fact that Brexiteers are you know are, are all post truth, and they you know they don't care for the facts or empiricism or or, or, or anything else. Um, and you know, there's truth in that argument that he dismissed what is uh, you know the overwhelming majority expert opinion. But I, I do think there's there's some truth in what he was saying, because I, I do think a lot of people in the UK had had enough of those predictions. Um, and they had had enough of being being told um, the, these forecasts. And I think it, there, there, there is a disconnect where there is not enough communication from people in the profession who do make forecasts those of them who do and the general public about the um 
the, the problem with forecasts and the problems with forecasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could say so much about that. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, well, well, let me let me let me say that that, that um, yes, I, I that, so we have a a a. Um, an agency, it's a, it's a sub-agency of Congress called the Congressional Budget Office. And they produce uh, point estimates, budgetary estimates for Congress to consider when um, looking at pieces of legislation. And then they also produce an independent estimate of the uh, president's budget that he uh, submits uh, each year. And uh, one of the comments that I've, I've long made to the Congressional Budget Office is that it would be helpful um, for the public and for policymakers to have some sort of qualitative assessment of, uh, of their confidence in these point estimates that they're, that they're putting out, because they're, they're, they're very clearly, um, you know, uh, instances where they're, they are more confident versus being less confident. So just for instance, if, you know, the, if the congressional budget office is assessing a bill that, you know, it, that, that, that increases the um, scope of, of a existing program by a little bit, then, you know, the, they, they probably know what's going to happen. Um, if the, if they're looking at a bill that overhauls a fifth of the economy, you know, they, 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 they might, you know, be uh, a little bit less confident in 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 what they know yeah. is, is is going to happen, and yet what they end up doing is producing a point estimate um, for 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 both of those ca- cases with the same you know qualifications, and and I and I think that that's just generally a helpful practice for you know for uh, practicing economists, especially those in the public space, mm. to, to, to get into. There was a really mm. great. There was a really great book that was published a couple of years ago by Cambridge University Press. Uh, the authors are um, uh, David Levy at George Mason University and Sander Pert at the University of Richmond, called "Escape from Democracy." And they're they're both economists, and they were. And and one of the things that they talked about in that book is that you know Adam Smith thought about trade as an active discussion between two trading partners, right? So. The two trading partners needed to uh, sympathize with one another. They needed to know what the other person wanted, and they needed to um, they they needed to uh, discuss. They needed to converse with one another um, to get the other person to give them what they wanted, whether it be good a good or a service or or, or money. And so the the active discussion um, between equals is is critical. Right to 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 trade um, without it, uh, the way that Adam Smith thought about this is that it was uh, it was it was it would be more like extortion, right? So, um, uh, John Stuart Mill picked up on this concept uh, later on, within regards to self government, and uh, in 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 essentially thought that. Again, discussion here is critical, right? So, in order for democracy to work, you need you 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 need people talking to each other, right? And you mm. need you need you need a willingness for um, to be wrong and to change and to change your own mind, because without 
without that willingness, without the ability to to, to change your own mind, then 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 essentially discussion isn't uh, you, you you can't have discussion, right? And in an mm-hmm. environment where you're you've already formed all of your opinions, you're just yeah. you're getting up on your soapbox and you're and you're and, and you're launching them. And the really interesting thing about this book, Escape from Democracy, by um, by Levy and Pert, was that they they talk about how critical it is for for economists to be uh, to be to be a part of the group, right? To be a part of the uh, the, the group and to to be open to discussion with uh, the with with the general public, because when you create this um, this sense of hierarchy, and again, this gets back to what Krugman was talking about in yeah. in in, the, in his uh, econ films produced video, when you're arguing from this place of authority, people are going to put you off. They're going to say. You know, first of all, they're going to reject the authority, and then, and then, and then, secondly, they're going to say, "Look, you're you're not part of the group, right? You're not you're not you're not part of this this uh, this 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 discussion that that we're having." And one of the the really, I think, you know, worrisome things that that I see in in you know the the sort of current political environment, whether it be in the United States or whether or not it be in in, in the UK. Is that, you know, well, one, I don't think that economists have done a very good job at participating in 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 that discussion. I don't think that they've mm. done a you know a very good job at again in qualifying themselves over time, and 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 what but what they have done is a, is is a better job at, at at elevating themselves or um, putting themselves within some place of, of of hierarchy which people reject. But the but the the but the the other concerning thing here. Is that everybody seems to be, you know, going into their own camps, right? And yes, and yes, and and and, and formulating opinions, and then uh, and then defending those opinions with with you know the views of economists, if that if that makes sense, um, if if the views of economists conform with their own opinions, and then if the views of economists don't conform with their own opinions, well, they they re- they reject economics, right? Just outright. Yes. And, yes. Uh, that, that's I, 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 I don't know whether or not that's that's new, um, whether or not this is a new phenomenon, but it, but it, but it does it, it does uh, it does cause me to be very concerned. <laughs> right. With with yeah. the current environment and as a profession. And, and I I, uh, I wrote a, a piece on this actually when I was still in the White House that was published in The Washington Times. Um, but as a profession, as as economic experts, I think that we owe it both to the profession and then and then both to this pursuit of self-government to um, to to to, you know, not just engage with the public, but to do so in a way in which we are open and, and, and more candid with them about what we know and what we don't know and um, and, and 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 what we're what, what, what we think we might never know. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, r- rather than, you know, assigning some, you know, probability to some every, you know, to, to every event or, or, or whatever, I, I think that that would do a lot for the profession. And I, I, honestly, I think that the, um, the, the, the positive externalities that would be associated with that kind of move would just be, you know, absolutely yeah. tremendous. Huge, huge, huge. Um, I, I mean, a couple of things I, I'd say to that, Paul. I mean, firstly, in terms of, of outreach, I don't know whether you um, 
you know the work by, I think it's uh, Marina Della Gusta about how economists use Twitter compared to other sciences. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a paper that was presented at the Royal Economic Society conference, I think, last year. And the, the, the bottom line is that economists are just really bad at using Twitter compared to yep. other sciences. They, they tweet less and they are... Uh, more likely to use jargon, less likely to engage with non-professionals, I think, and and, and so on and so on. And, you know, you think, actually, there's a lot of economic discussion on Twitter, um, but it's it's just, it's shouting, you know. (laughs) It's all the things you just described in terms of the the polarisation and uh, everything else, which is, you know, just becoming such a, a problem in you know, democracy on both sides of the Atlantic. And it's, um, you know, it reminds me of a, a, a story. I don't know whether you know it, but um, it's uh, during during the Blitz, um, if you had gone to, I think it's, uh, let me check the college, King's College in Cambridge, you would have found two men on the roof of the chapel with brooms. And they were there every night in case the Germans dropped an incendiary bomb on the roof of the chapel. And the idea was that they were going to push it off with the brooms and it would fall on the ground below and save the chapel. Those two men were John Maynard Keynes and Frederick Hayek. Yeah. So, you know, you've got these guys who are just from opposite, opposite ends of the, the economic spectrum, but they're, they're kind of buddies up there, you know. And I think... What it makes me think of that story is, is, I think, what is different to the, the kind of divide of the 20th century, where, you know, it, it was more of an economic divide and less of an identity stroke nationalism divide. And so you had, for the sake of argument, you had your freedmen on one, you had your canes on the other. And whichever side of the political divide you were on, or in the middle, you had serious uh, schools of economics which you could you could appeal to. I think what's happened increasingly if you look at it in terms of trade wars and so on is you have a, a majority opinion within economics which is stacked on one side of the debate. And so actually if you're on the other side of the debate there there's not an economist to to turn to particularly. There's nobody uh, who's deemed respectable very often who, who who's there to, to, to back it up. And so that's, again, where you slightly get into this Michael Gove situation of, uh, oh, forget the experts. Because, mm-hmm. you know, who do you, who do you turn to? The pro-Brexit economists are few and far between. There's Patrick Minford, Gerard Lyons, um, and that's about it. And much to Remainer's delight, Patrick Minford uh, has said that, you know, <laughs> Brexit would wreak havoc to entire sections of the, the British economy. But it was it was worth it and we would emerge stronger. So, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that's where we're that's where we're at today. Yeah. Well, this has been really excellent, Andrew. I feel like we could go on for hours. Um, yes. But I love to have you back on and um thanks so much for 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 joining us this afternoon yeah it'd be my my pleasure my pleasure thank you very much for for having me paul thanks for tuning in to liberty and justice for all with jack and paul 
Please be sure to rate us on iTunes or Stitcher so that others can find us and look for a new episode every couple of weeks.